Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, part of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode nine. I'm your king! And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about worker placement games and something special's going on here. First off, Marty and I are face-to-face. First time this has ever happened. All of our other episodes are done online using like Google Chat or something. So we're testing this out to see how it works. It's kind of odd looking across the table and seeing you, but... Yeah, but I mean, usually it versus a video where my eyes are somewhere else and you can say, what are you looking at? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, you know, you got somebody coming in the room and you have to talk to them and stuff. And exactly. So so this is pretty special. We're going to see how this goes because we're going to have other episodes. We're going to have some people in with us sitting down playing games, things like that in the future. So we're giving this a shot, see how it's going to work out. Uh, before we get started, Marty, I'm going to give out a couple of shout outs here if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, first one is for a blog I wrote recently, and we've gotten a lot of hits on it from the APBA crew over there. They've been reading it up, and I really appreciate them giving a look at my blog about APBA, Fantasy Draft, things like that. It's a great game for anybody who likes sports games. Uh, it's one of the games, I don't even know if we covered it in our dice games, but it's a dice game, statistics, really, really a good game. So give that a look. Second, I mean, it's like uh, almost like the real fantasy baseball like one of the originals because you're actually, you know, using stats of players and then rolling dice to. Yeah. You're, you're trying to recreate a league. So, but, or doing, like you said, fantasy, bring out a baseball player. Say you always wanted to see how Ruth would play with, oh, uh, I don't know. Let's pick somebody from today. You see how well I did my fantasy draft. I would not even have a clue. <laughs> well, I mean, I think well, one time we looked at like, you, you did like, uh, how would the, the, the 27 Yankees fare against the, you know, the the Yankees of the early 2000s or something right. like that. Or how would the 75 Reds do against the 76 Reds? We could do little yeah. combinations like that. Yeah, and that's a great point. You could even do like old world series of, like you said, the 27 Yankees versus the 75 Reds and see who would win that world series and things like that. So, the Reds. Of course. You and I both were Reds fans, so I love that. Second one that goes out to my niece, Danny. She's actually up to date. She listens to all our podcasts, and I really appreciate her doing that, her and my sister. I think they listen. They, they love you, Marty. They think you're the bomb on the show. So, well, why am I the bomb? I don't know. Maybe it's because um, they like to listen, see how <laughs> make fun of me. Who, who knows? I rarely make fun of you. No, they're, they're making fun of okay. me Well, oh. uh, and the silly things I say. But uh, well, t- Dan- tell her I appreciate that. I will definitely do that. Maybe since they'll be listening to this episode. So, Danny, keep listening. And I appreciate you dealing with your uncle on Christmas Day when we play games. I always make him play a game on Christmas Day with me. It's, it's one of those things. And, and you know what's so special about it is when she's playing a game, she gets a sudden look of, oh, I understand this game. It's like a Christmas miracle or something that, hey, I got a game because her sister won't play games with her because she's so competitive when we were growing up. But anyway, but Danny and, she, and the neatest thing about Danny is she's got these big old eyes. Mm-hmm. And when she understands something, it's just like Animal on the Muppets. His eyes are real small. And when something comes to him, they get real big. And that's when I know she understands. So, Danny, listen to this one. I told you I'd, I'd mention you. Now you're out there on the Internet. Uh, Wait a minute. Shouldn't we get something for that? What? I mean, you know, we're, we're throwing out names and stuff like that. There's some, some sort of compensation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Like we're going to give compensation for our guest stars that come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Alex, Todd, Steve, you know, uh, which brings me to another point. Um, if you ever want to just sit down and talk with us, by all means, leave us comments. I'm sure Marty and I can figure out a way to bring you into the show. You know, who knows if you're on another podcast and want to come over, we'd love to have you. I know, Marty, you tweet with guys all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other guys on the uh, Dice Tower Network, just because I'm just trying to learn from those guys. But, yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome. And the final shout-out goes to you, of course, for your International Tabletop Day. Great success. you got a video out there on our homepage. Right. If you would, I'd love to hear about it. I couldn't attend, so I'd love to hear about it and who all helped you out there. Sure. So um, this was at our typical uh, meetup restaurant. We had 31 or 32 people show up, which was a really good number. We were able to get a lot of prizes to give away. That was that was really cool. We uh, had people donate some some games. We had like eight or nine games to give away. Plus, we had the uh, the T-shirts, the uh, Queen City Game Club T-shirts to give away. So we're giving those away all afternoon. Nice. And uh, a big thanks to Lee who uh, demos games um, for AEG, and he was at the end of the video that I, that I put out there. And uh, he brought some of those games, and then Todd 
uh, who I'd mentioned we mentioned before. He he brought some games, and me and him kind of put it together, and it went it went really well. It was it was a big success. And I don't know if you followed any of the the Twitter feeds that day. Oh, I was all on Twitter because the volleyball that I was watching down in Atlanta was not worth following, so I was following Twitter more. So anyway, right. Well, so then you probably saw the hashtag tabletop day all over the place oh, yeah, it, it, it was insane so i mean it had to be a huge success for them and i don't did you watch any of the you probably didn't get a chance to watch any of the live stuff they did no did i did not no. Day, Will Wheaton. yeah so they did things like play uh seven wonders and they did uh star trek Catan, and and uh it looked like they had a really good time but we're already looking forward to next year uh we're talking about how we can make the event bigger and better and i'm sure most people are but it, it was a huge success and thanks for all those who helped put it together and for those especially who came out to play so the restaurant Vaulthorn, it was everything was fine there. Oh, uh, perfect, yeah. no problems. I mean, that's that's where we typically have our our meetups and and great service and and great food, and they're very accommodating for us for us geeks to come up there and take over their space. Yeah, I, I know they were really looking forward to it because I mean, when you bring in thirty people for them, it's like a yeah, yeah. It's also easy money for them too. So I mean, they give us a space upstairs with they, which they rarely use. So we're just taking every space, and the only thing they do is just provide a server, and we're, we're good to go. So it's one of those things that we talked about in Episode 8 You know, with, with the club. That was one of the big benefits uh, to us where Alex found this place because they, they accommodated us so well. And I think you mentioned that was the toughest thing to, to do was find a great place to meet, and, and we found it. So we're very thankful to them, to them too, especially since it was the day before Easter, uh, which could, could bring in a decent crowd. So they were very accommodating for that. Right. And uh, Marty, back to the episode eight, let's go clubbing with Alex. I see that on our guild on board game geek that we had a really good question. Some questions come in for anyone who wants to take a look at that. And you had some comments back from that. And Alex quickly responded about what was it? Uh, C what C chat. What was the thing? Uh, I think the main question was, was our club set up as a nonprofit organization? And if so, what did we go through to do that? And, and we're not. Um, but Alex does, uh, post his answers to those questions on the board game geek guild page couldn't get that out and uh, where he goes into a lot of details a lot more than i even knew about about what it would take to become a nonprofit organization maybe some of the benefits i think came down to the fact that we're just kind of too small right now to look into that and i think the question came up with bylaws and i think that would lead from if you're a nonprofit organization, you have to have a board of directors and you got to have bylaws and all this stuff. So it's probably more trouble than what it's worth right now, but who knows, maybe in the future. Which I think is one of the things we asked Alex. I mean, how do you balance between your life and this club? And, you know, I think that's a lot more than he anticipates, but I know he's looking at constantly growing the club. So exactly. that should be interesting. So like I said, this is episode eight. Um, I'm your nine. King. Nine. Good gosh. I'm reading here on our guild and I saw episode eight. So episode nine. Um, I'm your king, where we're going to do a little work replacement. So before we get started in discussing the various worker placement games, you may want to know well, what really is a worker placement game. And, you know, I have my thoughts about it, and I know Marty does as well, and I always get confused between what is resource management and worker placement, and Marty's quick to point out that, hey, worker placement is resource management. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, most games are resource management in some shape or form, whether it be cards or whatever you're managing whatever resources you have for the game right so i said well how is that different i mean i guess if you were to play Catan, you know that's resource management that's dice rolling resource management so i really never thought about it because you've got to manage your what is it all your sheep and stuff like that well also think about any game like uh, dominion where your your resources are gold True. I mean, it's just managing any sort of resources that are used in the game for purchasing or or getting goods or something like that so what is it about a worker placement game? Well, you know, Marty and I did a quick search here to find out, you know, what are the various definitions? And basically, to sum it up is you're given a round, you have to place a worker, you've got a set number of workers, and where you place that worker, they get to do various things. And that's what helps you gain. And most of the worker placement games I've played, it's always been victory points at the end of the game is, is how you determine the winner. Well, I think that's a typical Euro-style game, right? Where, you, right, where you're gaining victory points. And, and for those who never played before, I mean, your workers are really nothing more than like some sort of token. Mm -hmm. um, that that's used that in the mechanic of the game where the board that you're playing on or, or whatever, there's different actions available to each player. And to be able to take advantage of that action during the game, you take one of your workers or tokens and place it on the board claiming that action that round. 
And a lot of the games, you have a limited number of actions. So like, uh, for example, like a common action is, I want to be first player next round. Well, there's only one action for that. Everybody can't be first player. So a lot of the games have different types of dynamics to where uh, maybe if you want a particular type of resource that you need that turn, maybe there's only one or two available. When those places are taken on the board, nobody else can place there. So the timing and everything is very important. That's why sometimes you actually want to be the first player so you can make sure that you can get what you want before somebody takes it away from you. Right, and I, th- and I think that's the key to the worker placement that people need to realize that you're always competing with someone else to get to that one spot. You may need that spot in order to successfully pull off your strategy. Exactly, to, exactly. To get the victory points or get um, the resource or you know a, a very popular worker placement agricola where you need to go. Agricola? Agricola. It's a great Curriculum, man. <laughs> no, I just it's agricultural. That's what you and I always call it. <laughs> I, I just found over time there are people that get really upset when I say agricultural. So now I just do it to kind of just push a button. But anyway, uh, agricola, uh, agricola, agricola. I'm with you there. I called it. I think I walked when we were first getting into this. I walked into a game store in Raleigh, and I said, "Well, how does this game?" Uh, agricola work and he goes what are you talking about i'll never forget <laughs> that and he, he about kicked me out of the game store because i didn't know how to say it but you know it's and i guess worker placement games they can be as simple as just placing it and getting a resource to a lot of multiple management of your workers um and there's all kinds of themes and and we'll talk about that um, I mean, there's one that I have yet to play that I've always wanted to play by Queen's Games, and that's Fresco, where you're placing your workers and you're trying to paint and you're trying to combine colors. I've always wanted to give that one a run for the money. Um, I've seen that but never played it. Right, and we've never seen it at the game club either show up. Then where have I seen it? I have. All right, somebody out there that's, that's heard this has played a game with me before. I've seen Fresco, so who has it? Well, you've know. been at the game club meetups more than I have, so you've probably seen it there. Uh, anyway. I know. I know. But, yeah, no, that, that's a good one. And I think um, there's different types of complexity. And I know in our casual corner segment we're going to be talking about one of the more simpler ones, which is why it's in our casual corner segment because it kind of has a um, – once you learn how to play this one, you kind of have the basis of how worker placement works, and they just kind of move up in complexity from there. Because a lot of these games um, have tons of actions that you can choose during your turn – it seems like the more actions that are available, the the more complex it tends to be. So would you think Todd would call this a Euro game with no conflict? Or is there conflict because you're competing with other people? I would say it's, it's not really conflict. I mean, it's not conflict like head-to-head, like I'm going to do something to you. If anything, I'm just going to take a spot from you that you can't claim. Right, but that I will say that it will be irritating at times because I'll look at you. Well, it's and say, very you irritating oh, yeah. at times because I mean we we've all played worker placement games where it's like please don't put a token on there and somebody does it's like ah oh. so it's like all right I got to get first player next time so that I can have that opportunity to get my token where I want it to be. Now in your mind, and this is something you and I always discuss: why is Puerto Rico? not considered worker placement is because there there's are no, no workers. workers but the colonists are workers yeah i know but you don't you uh, he'll never i don't know how to explain this me. i don't know how to explain it so on, on puerto rico everybody has their own boards and the little colonists that you get yes they're used to put in your fields and stuff but they just have to populate the field to be able to take advantage of it it's not like you take a colonist and they do different things for you it's not like you have a colonist that becomes the captain of the ship or a colonist that becomes the builder of building a building or the columnist that goes to the market to do trade for you. It's always about being able to you pick that leader. It's just a role. It's just, just a you're role. You're picking a yeah. role, and that role is what you kind of get to do that turn. And you get the buildings. They're not a building on a board. They become on your board. And I think yeah. that's a key difference with Puerto Rico versus other ones. To- totally agree, because everybody has managing their own board, and you're not competing for spaces on a main board, such as um, Agricola and some of the others. And just so, you know, people know, I mean, when you go to Board Game Geek, you can see, you know, the top ranked is Agricola and then Kalos and then a bunch of other ones that I probably wouldn't pronounce correctly, even if I tried. Stone Age? Can't pronounce Stone Age? Oh, you get the of the Earth. What, what, La Harvey? How you go for that one, big boy? Dominant species. Dominant species, which I have seen great things, heard about it, but I I do not. That's up there with what? Twilight Imperium? Yeah, for some reason, I just don't have a huge desire to sit down and play that game just because of the time it takes, but that's just me. And um, one of my, and the one I got was um, Pillars of the Earth. I, I really enjoy that one as a worker placement. And we'll talk about that in our segment where we talk about the various games that are coming up. But all in all, worker placement, 
Go out there. You're their king. You're placing them on the board. They're doing your bidding as it should be. So in this episode segment of Casual Corner, we're going to cover a casual worker placement game. Now, if any of you have listened to our previous podcast, you know that I'm kind of big on a worker placement game called Lords of Waterdeep, which is from Wizards of the Coast, and it is a D&D themed game, lightly themed game. It's not dripping in theme so much, but I'll talk about that in a second. But the reason why I like it, because it's not necessarily the best worker placement game, but I think it's a great introduction to a worker placement game because it has all the basic concepts that you need to learn to play other types of worker placement games. And in fact, on um, a segment of the Dice Tower uh, we just contributed to where they asked for your favorite worker placement games, I mentioned this one simply because I think it's a great game to teach. And I know when you taught it to me, uh, it was very quick. Uh, I think it was probably one of the, I think it was one of the first really worker placement games I got to play before we went to Origins. Did you get it before Origins? I did. And so that led us to be able to play Pillars at Origins. But yeah, and it was quick to pick up. I really didn't understand it, but I will say one thing about it. It's dripping with theme of Dungeons and Dragons, even though it's, to me it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. To me, it's, I got wizards and mages and fighters and quests. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But the funny thing about that is, so what's the color? So you have these cubes that represent, um, your adventurers that are going out on quests. The whole goal of this game is you have these quest cards and when you complete these quests, you get victory points, and the person with the most victory points at the end wins. So the purpose of placing your token workers is to get adventurers to join your party so that you can send them out to complete a quest. Typically, a quest involves nothing more than taking a certain number, a certain combination of each of these adventurers, turning them in, and getting points for that quest. So I'm the game master. Sure. Um... <laughs> So there, so there's uh, one, two, three. There's four different types of adventurers. There's a cleric, a fighter, a rogue, and a wizard, and they're represented by different color cubes: white cleric, orange fighter, black rogue, purple wizard. I'm sorry, but by the end of this game, every single time, I never go like, um, let's see, I'm going to claim a wizard. It's like, uh, give me two purples. Yeah, I need, I need, a, I need an orange. Okay, I'm going to complete this quest. Here's my orange, two blacks, and a white. See, that's where you got to bring the people in. See, and and you're going to be a a GM for us coming up. You got to bring the people into the game. So, I mean, look the town halls. I mean, for those of you out there, we've got the board set up before us just to remind us, which is a beautiful thing about doing this face to face. And I mean, it's a stunning map. You got all that good stuff going on before you. I mean, it's a, it's a really pretty game. I'll give it that. And it's, look at the artwork there. The, the quality is really nice. And for anybody that plays D&D, um, this, um, the Waterdeep is part of, if I mess this up, I know I'm going to get called on it. But I think it's Forgotten Realms. Yeah, like Realms. we're going to get a comment. Uh, I think it's Forgotten Realms. That's where it's from. And if it's not, somebody can let me know. But anyway, um, so yeah, the map is of this, I guess it's a port city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's the, if you've never looked at the map, go out and check it out. The, the board is very nice. The artwork is top-notch. And I'll just go ahead and, and come to that part right now. One, another thing I like about this game is the quality of the c- components is out of this world. I mean, you got heavy, thick cardboard that's used for your buildings and stuff. The, the map looks nice. Generic tokens, I guess. But it, it's just everything is just looks really good. And I guess they're using a lot of the same artists that they use in their D&D books and stuff like that and just looks it looks really good and the box can store the pieces real nicely here your pieces didn't fall out all over the place real nice okay i'm gonna jump to that too this is the best box insert i have ever seen for a game the best because there is a spot for everything in this game If, if you notice there's a spot for all the tokens there's a spot for all the workers do you notice on the um the slots for the cards how that how it's got a little hill underneath it oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? That's for the other little tokens. No. Oh. So you can press down on one side ah. of the cards and pick them up. Have you ever had cards that were in a thing and you couldn't get the yeah, cards? Yeah, yeah. had to turn the box upside down? They thought about that. You push on one end of the cards and the whole deck comes up. So there you go. So for those out there, you just to see, you need to see this. Go buy the game so you can at least just see the <laughs> box, okay? 
But for, for a worker placement game, like I said, you know, Marty taught it to me in no time. Matter of fact, he retaught it to me before the podcast. So if you would just step us through it a little bit here. Yeah, sure. No problem. So you, you start out with, with the, depending on the number of players that you have, it, it plays up to two to five players and you get a, so many workers based on the number of people that are playing. So during your turn, you can place your worker on the board to do something. Again, the goal is you're, you're a lord of Waterdeep. And your goal is to hire adventurers to go out and, and do quests for you. So um, on the board, there are different taverns and stuff that you can go to where you can recruit your different adventurers. For example, on the plinth, you can go get a, um, you can go get a cleric. What's I can't read across the board over there. What's that? Something tower? Uh, Blackstaff. Yeah, Blackstaff Tower, Castle Waterdeep. Um, you know, just going around the board. Field of Triumph. Yeah. So with each of these places, you can get adventurers to come into your tavern. You actually have a little player board that's in front of you that uh, hosts where your quest cards are, plus where your adventurers go. And so you can go and get um, adventurers to join your party. In addition, you need gold. Uh, there is a place where you can get gold. That gold is going to be used for actually buying buildings within uh, Waterdeep. So as a lord, you purchase buildings. Now, this is one dynamic of the game I really like. So uh, with some other games, uh, let's say, for example, uh, Pillars, uh, the board is kind of fixed, right? I mean, you only have so many places your workers can go. What's nice about Lords of Waterdeep is that as a lord, there's an area where there's three buildings available for you to buy. You put your worker there, pay the gold, and that building becomes yours. You place that building on the board, and then people have now another location that they can go to in order to get things. For example, let's see, Northgate here. If I was to build this building, if somebody places a worker here, they get a, an adventurer of any type plus two gold. Now, the nice thing about if you own buildings, there is a, a benefit if somebody places their worker there. If they place a worker there, there's a line at the bottom that tells you what the owner gets. So in this particular example, the owner gets two victory points if somebody else places a worker. The buildings are always better than the, the base buildings that start out on the board. So people are going to spend their time to try to build these because it's an easy way to get your, your resources and stuff. Right, and it's it, I, I like that dynamic too. I like the ability, and you're getting you're getting something back for um, spending your gold, your cost. Right, you're getting you're getting a benefit as the owner versus just oh, I'm placing it out there mm-hmm. for for everyone to use. I, I, that is an excellent part, and you get this nice token that you put up against it, like you said, I believe. Yeah, there's that a token that you put beside the the building just to indicate who owns it, so you won't forget. So I guess, you know, you start off with, what, how many starting ones we got here? Six, uh, eight. Buildings. Uh, yeah, basic buildings. Is it, is it eight bit basic buildings, and then you can add eight more? And, uh, actually, uh, it's unlimited. If you actually oh. look at the – there's there's slots for, what, eight eight buildings or yeah. such. But if you go look at the fact, you can have as many buildings as you want. Really? So yep. outside, that's yep. interesting. You place buildings beside the board because that was actually a question that came up a lot when the first came out. And they came up and, and said, nope, you can place as many buildings as you want. Put it in a fact, I believe. So they let people know. At the top of the board, there's an area where the quests are. Now, the quests are basically just a card. And on the card – it uh, tells you basically kind of what you need for that quest. For example, here is study the Illusk Arch. This is a uh, Arcana type quest. There are what four, five, five different types of quests, and this one requires uh, one cleric and two wizard. So you you can take this quest and put it beside your tavern. And as you collect your adventurers, like when I get one cleric and two wizards, I can turn that in back to the supply. And I claim whatever reward I get that's written on the bottom of the card. For example, this says reward is eight victory points. And so throughout the game, you're constantly getting these quest cards and trying to fulfill the quest because that's how you get victory points, which determines the ultimate winner of the game. So, and from that standpoint, you're the more quests you have, is there any penalty for having more and more quests if nope. you don't complete? So it doesn't really matter. You just you take the quest and hope that you'll be able to uh, compete. And there's uh, there's competition to get the. I guess there are some quests that will ha- put resources in front of you, or is it always like just? Um, it depends. Points? There's also if you don't don't know if you remember this. There's plot quests which stay out on the board and have a permanent uh, something going on. Uh, oh. It gives you some sort of benefit once you complete a plot quest. Um, you can, um, 
by fulfilling different things during the game, you get a, a it's a passive ability or some ongoing ability that you have that you can take advantage of that plot quest. So those exist in there too. The other type of quest, which is a kind of stick it to your friend type deal, is the mandatory quest. Um, this is a quest that you give to somebody else, which are a pain in the booty to finish, and they hardly give you anything. But the rule is, if, is if you have a mandatory quest on your um, tavern, you have to complete it first. Okay, before you can get to your other. Which yes. You may, like, for instance, if I got Bolster City Guard here. It requires a ton of orange and black. I'm using your other thing here i get 25 victory points so oh, that's yeah that's that's a good one but but say say you have this in front of you mm-hmm. there are these um intrigue cards that you can use to uh have abilities during the game for like uh gain one of this gain two of this there's an area on the um board uh where you can put your uh, worker token in order to uh, either get intrigue cards or actually play them from your hand for example here's one Take uh, two wizards from the supply, place them in your tavern, choose one opponent, and that uh, person takes a wizard from the supply and places it on his or her tavern. So there's a whole um, deck of these. But from that, you can also put down these mandatory quests. So say, for example, you got that one that was going to give you 25 points. And say, we were getting close to the end of the game, and if you get that 25 points, you're going to win. If I get lucky and get a mandatory quest out and put it on you, you have to focus on that mandatory quest right then, and you can't focus on the one that gives you all the points. So you just touched on Intrigue Deck, and it is just another thing that forces people to do something like this one is, you know, they remove the mage tokens, and you get to draw an Intrigue if they can't do so. So that's just a, a bonus to you in the morning. Right. Some of the cards are uh, do something to somebody else. Some are benefits for yourself. Yeah, you know, like this says, it's an attack. And I notice on top of these quest cards, going back to those, you've got, like you said, Warfare, Piety, Arcane and Skulldudgery. Um, what what benefit is that? What do those have to do with anything? Yeah, so there are five different types of quests, which you which you just mentioned. So at the beginning of the game, everybody is dealt a random lord. And if you wouldn't mind, hand me one of the uh, lord cards right there. Yep. There Thank you, you. As y'all can see, he just handed me the card. Uh-huh. Oh, you would have to give me the one I can't pronounce. Hand me another one. Okay, so here is a, a lord of Waterdeep. Uh, her name is uh, Brianna Bindroth. Each person has dealt one of these random cards. Now, at the bottom of the card, it tells you, it says, at the end of the game, you score four victory points for each Arcana quest and each Skullduggery quest you completed. Every Lord is going to be trying to achieve two different types of quests, but nobody else knows what they are. So as you go through the game, um, at any point during the game, there's always four quests at the top of the board that you can go claim. So I'm going to be really focusing on Arcana and Skullduggery because they give me these bonus points at the end. You'll draw something else and probably focused on two different types of quests. And if you notice, each of the types of quests focus on one particular type of, of adventure. Obviously, for Arcana, it uses a lot of wizards. And like for Warfare, it uses a lot of fighters. So if those are the ones you're going for, Say I, I did have this one, I'm, I need Arcana. I'm going to be focusing on those spots on the board that give me wizard adventurers. Those become very powerful to me. If it so happens you're also going on Arcana, then we're both going to be going for the same thing. We're going to be kind of button heads throughout the game, but we won't really know why until the end of the game. Because at the end of the game, what happens is, is after, um, after eight rounds, uh, we all flip over our card and then we say, well, here are the ones I was trying to go for. And you go through your completed quest deck and you basically get four points for each one of the types of quests that you were trying to achieve. So it's a hidden victory points at yep. the end. So you may think you're out of it versus, yes. and then suddenly, bam. That's a game changer. Okay. It is a game changer. And another nice is the randomness of each game. So each time you're going to be a different Lord. Okay. To make it a little bit different. Well, and then the randomness of which buildings go out there and, and along those lines. So the game, no matter how many times you play it, there's going to be some something that's very random that you haven't encountered, and that was very poorly stated. But it's always got random, okay? <laughs> right. Ra- random is good, right? Because right. If, if you have a game that's exact same way every time, how often will it come to the table? Not very often. And so having a different character that you play every time uh, will give it a different uh, feeling. So how many times have you brought out Lords of the Waterdeep for people to play? Anytime I want to introduce a worker placement game, it's always this game. Okay. And what's really interesting is there are a lot of, I would consider hardcore gamers that really like this game. It's because of the theme. <laughs> 
it's just <laughs> dripping with theme. theme. Let me get another purple dude. Let me put that with that orange Hey, dude. it's close. It's close. All right. Uh, but anyway, so no, I know a lot of people who are, are hardcore gamers that really en- enjoy this game. And maybe it is a theme. Maybe it's the simplicity of it. I- I'm not sure. So it's not just one of those things where, okay, let's face it. There are a lot of hor- um, hardcore gamers that may poo-poo on Catan if it's brought out to the table, right? Unless right. there's a reason to teach somebody. Or resistance. Anyway. I oh, don't even start with me on that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> go check five minute initiative on the, on the resistance talk. So yeah, so this is one of those things I can bring out and people aren't going to go, eh, I really don't want to do that. So I think that's another good thing about the game too. Even though it's more of the entry level, people don't really view it that way. And I think another thing too is we talked about it. There are some worker placement games that are very long. Yes. This one is, is pretty bearable. By the time you feel like it's starting to go long, it's over. So what do you find? I mean, you can two to five. What do you think's best for this one? As far as number of players. Uh, the, more, the more, the better. Really? Yeah. Okay. I do. In fact, the expansion that's going to be coming out sometime this year adds a sixth player, which okay. I'm really looking forward to. Oh, that will be interesting. I mean, I hate that we – I mean, I know Puerto Rico is pretty much our go-to when we have our normal little crew over But it's here. not a worker placement I know game. it's not, but we need to bring this one out more, I think. No, I totally way. agree. And the, and the people that we have over, like, like Puerto Rico, also like this game. Yeah. It's one of those, but what's nice about this in Puerto Rico, in one night you could probably play both. Yes, this is true. Um, so from Casual Corner, it's it's Lords of the Water Deep, probably one of the best worker placement games to get started in if you've never done a worker placement game. What's it run online? Do you have any idea? Oh, you had to the, keep talking you know, for a second. Keep, so once again, full of theme, If Dungeons and Dragons, um, if you grew up in that, on the role-playing games and you've got that you can see names that you've already done the instruction book isn't too long plenty of videos out there on how to play the game a lot of good forum advice uh board game geek you can definitely go look at it like that and once again an awesome and incredible storage box and that will keep your pieces together so definitely take a look at it and if you can find it you know anywhere online it's running about retail price is 50 bucks but you can probably find it online for 30 35 bucks or go to your local game store and definitely pick it up or ask them to order it for you good game definitely one that you should consider by the way the um just having to see here the expansion is uh, lords of Waterdeep scoundrels scoundrels of Skullport expansion and, and when is the expansion due uh, that's going to be at Gen Con this year, like every other good game, of course. And you're not going to be there, right? No. Neither am I. One day. That's bucket list. <laughs> okay. You've already gone. I haven't. And someday, you know, maybe that'll just be all the various cons that we can get to. So that's about it for Casual Corner, worker placement. Um, here, you're not the king. You're the lord. Hiring your party to go out and making the quest happen. That's about the best I can say for this. I, I, I really do enjoy this game. So I can't Dripping wait. in semi-theme. It's dripping in theme. It really, look at that artwork, man. You got to love it. Oh. So appreciate the overview, Marty. And once again, go check it out. So in this segment, we're going to talk about the various types, not types of um, worker placement games, but level of difficulty. That's the term I'm looking for. So, you know, we just talked about casual corner, Lords of Waterdeep. That is a beginner. Definitely. I, if somebody can recommend a better beginner than that, I'd love to hear it. But I think that is a good entry level worker placement game that anybody can just kind of learn the mechanics of a worker placement game. Now I know Timothy at our game store, he mentioned stone age to me as another excellent one as a, but I've never played it. I don't, you've never, I haven't, I've seen it, but I've never played it. Yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to play stone age. Um, so I'm, I've heard that's a pretty good one. Don't know a whole lot about dungeon Lords or anything else. So, you know, we're just now getting into the worker placement games, and I think there's just so many out there that it's hard for us to say, hey, this is a good one, this one, because, you know, we really like the Lords of the Waterdeep. There, there's some, well, there's some staple ones. Um, you've played, I guess, what I consider, mo- a lot of people consider the main staple one, which is Agricola. Yes, I've played it, played it one time, um, and it was at one of our game club meetings because the guy who always brings it, Ben always brings it, and I said, Ben, you got to teach me the game. I've heard so much about it. And let me tell you, that to me is on the 
hard in. Now, people may disagree with me on that, but to me, there is a ton of stuff going on in that game. You start out with two workers. You can increase. you got to keep a farm. You're building a farm. You've got to feed your workers. you got to make your hut from straw to clay to stone. you got to get your sheep in the pen. you got to build fences. you got to collect wood. you got to better your um, way of cooking your food. And, I mean, you know, for the first time I've played it, I got a feeling, you know, that's one of those games you need to go ahead and buy, Marty, so that we can get better at well, it. Why don't you buy it? I've got Lords of Waterdeep. I've got Pillars. Ah, crud. So, but like you said, maybe um, we'll, we'll... Hey, I got an idea. When the iPad version comes out this summer, we'll get it and we'll play online. There we go. I like that. That's a lot better option for us, um, just to be able to meet. Because it, it was, it did. It took the entire three hours, and we were not done, though I will admit. I think we were we had five people playing. Okay. Um, so that was a lot to it. But Agricola, you know. You said, but is it complex just because there's a lot more actions that can be done per turn? I, I think so. Or is it the strategy of there's this ongoing thing of – it kind of builds up over time, and it goes from round to round. You need to maintain. No, I mean, you've got the, the various rounds, and inside the rounds, you've got stages. Like in, in round one, you have, I believe it's four stages, if I remember correctly. And you're trying to put your workers, you, everybody places their workers, you resolve, you flip over a stage in that round. And mm-hmm. at the end of that, you go to harvest. And at the end of harvest, you have to be able to feed your people. So you've got to keep track of how have you gotten your food so you can feed your people because if you don't, then you get negative victory points. Now, one thing that's different about Agricola than most is is that you don't see the victory points on the board. It's done at the end of the game, which adds a whole other complexity to the game. Oh, so you have no idea where you are compared to other people until the end? Till the end. You flip a, you got your scorecard in front wow. of you and you see what they've got as well. Hey, he's got cattle, he's got a, you know, a wild pig, boar, whatever you want to call it, you know, sheep. And then, you know, you say, okay, well, here's where he is, but there's no mnemonic for a simple-minded people such as myself to say, oh, look, he's 70 on the board, so I know how many victory points he's got and I got 65. Right. So, you know, it's there's a lot to it. Um, your animals, if you get two in a pen, they'll make a third and you can put them in the house or you have to expand your pen, um, your fence, your, you have to manage your fields appropriately. You can't, you know, butt fences up over here. You're, you're, it's, there is a lot to it. Great game, tight game. Uh, I'll agree with that statement, what you see in the reviews. I mean, it's, it's a lot to it. And I think it would probably scare a lot of people off who haven't played worker placement until they've got a lot of other games under their belt. Right. So what, know. what do you think would be a good one for after Waterdeep? Is Agricola a good one? Or is there some one that may be even better? Well, appreciate the lead in there for me. <laughs> you like that segue? <laughs> yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Woo! Um, way to go there. Um, for me, it's Pillars of the Earth. And what I love most about Pillars of the Earth that I think you enjoy too is, is the fact that it's not, you don't have to get, it's not going first. It's your workers are pulled out of a bag. It's random. You don't like that? I, I don't know. It's chance. I, it's rolling the dice. Yeah, I, I know. And I appreciate the mechanic in that if you're first, it's going to cost you because it costs you more gold to go first, right? Yeah, your, your worker comes out, you've got to pay seven to place him or you can pass and not. Right. So you have that option. Now that that's where I do think it's fair. Like if you're gonna if your pawn or or worker or whatever is, is pulled out first, then you're gonna have to pay the most in order to play it. Right. Now I I do like that dynamic, but there are sometimes when you get down into the where it's only gonna cost three or four gold, and it's like, come on, where is my worker? I think you got two in the bag. Three. Three. three and just by random chance it hasn't come out yet, you know, you're just pulling your hair out. It's like, please pull my guy out. That's the only thing that just gets a little crazy. Again, it all, I guess it all works out since it's all random, but that's different from like, say, Waterdeep where, and maybe Agricola, where there's actually a location where it says, boom, I'm going to be going first next round. Right. Or you know for sure, so you can kind of plan ahead. It makes the planning part and the strategical part of, of each round tougher in pillars because you don't know exactly when you're going to get to go. Exactly. But if you you can look and if you're the first, if you get, you can become the player to pick from the bag. And as an option, if you pull a worker from that, that you don't want them to have, mm-hmm. to be, you can put them back in the back. Is it every time or just one time? You get to do it one time. 
So, so see, then you still only get one shot to reject one that you pull out. Right, but they've got a now they've got a way. If I pull out your red guys first, I pull out three red guys first versus my blue guys. Right, you've now got to pay a total of let's do some quick math 18. here. Eighteen, very good, like that. Um, eighteen, and you've got to pay eighteen gold. You may not have it, so no. I know you're going to pass. But that gives you you've got a balance. What do I want to do? I want to pay that gold so that I can go over there and get that medal. Right. Do I want to get the medal right. first? Now, one thing about pillars I will say is that I'm not, you know, at the later rounds when your craftsmen come up, there's always the same craftsmen and, and metal becomes even more valuable at the end, in my opinion, to be the bell maker or whatever it's called, you know. Mm-hmm. So and that earns you more victory points, but it's the same style, but it's the next, I think, uh, next step up from Lords of the Waterdeep. And, but I like it just because it's also dripping with theme. Now, I'll I'll say it's dripping with more theme than what Waterdeep is. Okay. And you've never read the books, have you? I have not. My wife asked this. She told me what it, told me it was about. Okay. so She's it, like my audio book. She's your audio yeah, book. Yeah, she'll read the book and then tell me what it's about. Okay. That's how I got through um, Game of Thrones. Really? Good man. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, that to me is probably one of the things about the game. Having read the book, I get to appreciate it. And, well, and even if you haven't read the book, I appreciate the fact of what it is. It's medieval times building a cathedral, right? Right. But I, I appreciate, and I think it's a nice looking board too, and the fact that you're uh, pulling in resources such as uh, you know, wood, sand, stone, whatever, in order to contribute to help building the cathedral. Right. Which I think is kind of cool. I like the idea of the whole tax system where, you know, if you're in the oh, city, yeah. you don't get taxed and stuff like that. What is the deal with all these worker placement games being around the same middle earth, middle earth, middle age, you know, fantasy type thing? Um, maybe that's when people really worked. I mean, could you imagine a worker placement now where it'd be, okay, I'm going to put, <laughs> put a worker placement on the computer. In a cube. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to put this guy at the copier, and they're going to put this guy in the HR department. Okay, actually, that's funny. So a game I just played recently, actually, Todd bought off Kickstarter, was ground up, ground ground floor. Ground floor, okay. And it had it kind of has that same concept because you get employees – and then you put your employees out there to do things. Okay. So it's kind of the same idea in that you're trying to build a building. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, is you're in doing construction and you're trying to invest in your company. Uh, it, it's, it could be a technical company or a, a trading company. I can't remember what the different types were. Basically, you, as a CEO, you try to get more employees. As you get more employees, you can send them out and do more things for you. You're trying to make more money for your company. You know, I don't. Some people may say, "Well, I don't know how worker placement that is," but it definitely has that same feel. So there's a more modern one. Okay, and then one that I saw when we were playing Pillars at our game club, he brought. Um, I'm going to mess this one up. What is it? Zolkin, the Mayan calendar worker. Oh, placement. I want to play that one just because of how it looks with the gears and everything. Yeah, the gears are on the thing, and we talked to. I think Lee may have been playing it. You know, the, who's in the video? Uh, the AEG rep there at the gaming club for um, international tabletop day and it, it was just a neat mechanic of where you can place the workers and as the gears spin you get to determine things and uh, yeah I, i'm with you i'd really like to play that one I, just I, to understand I, that yeah and that's a newer game too i believe yeah it came out last year um and you can find it um you know it's around another 60 dollar game that you can pick up I, I heard a dynamic of that game was the length of time you leave your worker out it does something for you i no idea. Because, you know, each, each, typically each round of a worker placement game, at the end of each round, everybody collects their workers and then you're off again. Mm-hmm. I think there's some concept there where the worker stays out on the table and then does stuff for you every time. Okay. So he sits there and sits and spins. Pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just, well, what can I say? And then, of course, as we go down the list, here's one for everybody. Never played it. Don't even know if it's still, holy cow, um, out available at Warcraft, the board game. They consider that a work replacement. Never played that one. But we by did, Fantasy Flight. By Fantasy Flight. I'm surprised we didn't because at the time we were really into uh, Warcraft. But I think it's one of those they lost the license for making Blizzard games. Right. So if you own one of those, go out there on eBay. I see it's going for around $150. Whoa. That's ridiculous. I need to look up and see how much my StarCraft board game is going for, see if it's still worth anything. Yeah, and, well, and that's a 4X game. No, 4X sorry. game. No, so I didn't say four times this time. So of all the worker placement, I think we've got pretty well got it. You know, Lords of Waterdeep, good intro, great introduction to a worker placement if you've never done it. 
Then you need to take a look at, in my opinion, games like Fresco, Pillars of the Earth, you know, games, any, anything in that genre that seems to be the middle right. where you're going. And then the granddaddy of them all, Agricola, Agricola, whatever you want to call <laughs> Agricola. it. Agricola. <laughs> See, I got them doing it now. Everybody uh, starts saying Agricola. Let's just have a, uh, let's have a movement here. Z-Man will kill us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what else did Z-Man produce for us? pandemic thank you very much one of the best games out there um anyway sorry there's the, my plug for pandemic i think i've said it in every episode so have far. you oh, okay okay great so now that's going to be like the thing if you don't say pandemic one episode somebody's going to flip Between out that and i appreciate yeah um from that standpoint we need to play a couple more like stone age and all at our uh, game store and yes see how that's going to go i agree so um have you how about alien frontiers you heard anything about it yet? i have not okay. seen it Seen it? I've not played it. I'm really interested in Project Manhattan from Minion Games. That right. One, that's about building the A-bomb. And right, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yep. I'm interested in that one. You know, a lot of games we're mentioning here. Um, any come to uh, jump out at you, Marty, from from the list that we've seen? Kings. Yeah, and I'll tell you, we, we've gone over uh, most of them. Uh, all the big ones. I mean, obviously, if you were to go out there and search like on Board Game Geek, there's just way too many to list. Most of them I've never even heard of, but... It's, it's a popular style dynamic. It was one, one reason why we dedicated an episode to it, right? It seems like we're, we're covering all these different genres and, and you know, the co-op and the, the deck building games and stuff. So it was time to do the worker placement. And um, it's, it's because it's a very popular genre. And it's, and it's a little bit different than the others where it kind of gets its own place on the genre list. Right. I agree with you completely. So go out, find you a good game, test drive it at your game store or if you've formed a game club have people bring it for you and yeah. then you can decide what you really like. Let us know what you like too. We'd be curious to see what other people are playing and, and maybe that'll drive us to uh, maybe make Tony go buy another game for us. Yeah, I think we've done enough kickstarts lately. I, I think we're done with, with games for a while. Maybe we'll, we'll get those in. When's Dungeon Roll coming in for us? Do you remember? Oh, it was supposed to be shipped to the people who kickstarted it right before Gen Con because they wanted it at Gen Con. Wow. Outstanding. So... All right. Well, I believe that wraps up our various games for book replacement. Well, that is our last single-digit episode that is now in the books or on the hard drive. Yeah, we're going to get technical. And it's, hey, nine. We started this back in December. Spring is in the air. Life is good. Yeah, we've been... Uh, Pretty consistent every two weeks. That's not bad. That's not bad. And I must say, I like the face-to-face across the table thing. Now, how often we can do that? I don't know. See, what happened is uh, this is spring break around here for us, and both mine and Tony's families are on the road uh, with the kids and everything, so we are batching it this week. So I said, hey, let's do this episode face-to-face and see how it goes, and I must say I like it. So that should just tell you how sad we are. Here we are doing a podcast <laughs> while our wives and kids are out. <laughs> That's right. It's like, oh, wow, you guys live a, you guys are party animals, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you you got limited vacation. You know, you can only do so much. Got to work, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's right. So this is an excellent opportunity. So I don't know how many times. I mean, you know, the opportunities we have to get together, we'd rather be playing games than podcasting. Which so. I bet once we hit the stop button on this podcast, I've seized the Netrunner decks off to the side of the table. I bet they will be pulled out. They will be out. We've got, what, two months before the big regional? Right. So we're preparing for that. We just got... um uh what static uh what's what was the last expansion oh good god static study in, study and static. static yep study and static and so we've got to get those in there and get ready we have a mini tournament next monday yes a mini tournament next monday so yeah. and as part of our batching it week we're having some guys over tomorrow night gonna to do an rpg session which will be fun yeah, their family, spring break as well, and yet they're coming over to do RPGs. Okay, it's getting sadder and sadder, man, I tell you what. But um, I will say you had a link on, I think, on our blog recently, where was it um, Twitter about what Geek Dad and RPGs and how it's changed over time? Was it Geek Dad that had that big Yes, article? it was. It was uh, It was just out of a history of RPGs and how they're kind of making a resurgence. It's... Um it's a really good article if you can look up my old tweets. Uh, it, you know, Geek Dad used to be with Wired, and mm-hmm. I think they've split and created their own website now. I think you just go to geekdad.com and, and look at it. It's interesting. We will be doing an RPG-centric episode at some point in the future where I think we're going we're gonna to talk. That's when we're going to be our discussion points about how I, I, 
I'm saying this as I'm sitting in the basement, but how RPGs aren't just gamers in the basement anymore. So, well, I don't consider this. It's let's just a man cave type. Yeah, there you go, man cave. It's not like the basements that you saw on Goonies and uh, movies back then or anything like that. Right, right. And then let's see what we got. um, Two more episodes to go before our big special episode. We have a big special episode, episode eleven, coming in uh, early May, and um, we're not going to say anything more about it we're just going to drop little teasers here and there but we are super excited about it because i don't think we have any idea how it's going to go it has potential to be really good or it could really just flop so (laughs) all i know is you'll be editing your little hind end off after that one i will be editing like crazy so we're really looking forward to that we're sharing that with you guys and we'll drop some more hands on as we go over the next couple weeks so got anything else before we close um no we're going to measure the cheese factor we got a couple comments on our closing um that we're going to try to oh that's right i forgot about that we got the closing for rolling dice and taking names part of the dice tower network and we're going to try that out see how it's going to work is it you know something along with we've got to work it out so we'll try it out tonight okay so you want me to go first you go first um are you going to do any uh, all the other rolling dice taking names blogspot.com all that good so once again check out our website at roll dice take names.com our twitter feed at dice and names we're we're trying to push 100 here if we can just get over 100 then i'll stop bothering you people about that we have our guild page on uh, board game geek you can just go search for rolling dice and taking names we're out there too and we got a facebook page if any of you people actually use facebook it seems like not a not a lot of gamers are really on facebook a lot but it's dying off isn't it i don't know if it's dying off it's just, i think people are just getting tired of it yeah I, I know the twittering is is really you know that's the thing yeah that's the big thing um and then of course the what is it the chat thing now where you take a picture and send a chat picture and it disappears in 20 seconds or something i have no idea what you're talking about you've ne- oh good gosh the volleyball tournament that's all the girls were doing they were they were what? taking taking pictures of with their phones sending it look it up man what do you mean sending it that's the beauty you have boys i have a girl therefore i get to see all this stuff you my oldest son doesn't even keep his phone charged understand (laughs) you take a picture and you send it yeah it's it's pic chat or something i don't know i don't do it either it's just i wouldn't even know how to take a picture with my um fine blackberry so anyway moving right along so here we go so until next week, this is rolling down. Two weeks. Ne- and, oh, that's right, five-minute initiative coming out. Okay, we'll start over here. Here we go. So until two weeks from now, rolling dice, taking names. How are we going to do this? I thought it was like, what did it say? Who put what they – Robert, Robert sent us the thing, and he said, until next week, keep rolling dice. And taking names. So how would that go on Cheese Factor? Are we okay with that? I'm okay with that. Didn't we just do it or should we do it again? Well, we'll do it again. Okay. Okay. Okay, Go ahead. And until next week, keep rolling dice and taking names. Yes, yes. Okay. It's Arcana, not Arcana. I'm sorry. That's why I'm an engineer, not an English major.